any thoughts that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. We had some people sharing some thoughts uh, during the break. Some text messages came through. So mm. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call um, if you've got some uh, things to share. Uh, let me see here. What did we have come through? Let's go here. Let's see what we've got. Text message. Ooh, this is a strong one. Um, 27 to 9, referring to the vote in the Victorian Parliament to pass the anti-conversion, anti-God, anti-freedom, whatever you want to call it, bill. Mm. Anti-faith, anti uh, pretty much everything, anti-civil society, anti... Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you stop with uh, <laughs> with what that bill actually is. Uh, it's a disaster for all groups of society, but um, 27 to 9 was the uh, 27 for, 9 against. Uh, and he wants to say, what he, the person says, what does that tell you about those who voted for? They've challenged God. They do not know uh, God. They actually believe that they can challenge God and win. Shame on them. The scaffold they build will be used against them. <laughs> Strong Whoa, words. Hey. The devil knows he's only a short time, but he also knows he is a defeated foe and is destroying all that he can. God knows what they have done. They can still repent. God will judge them. He knows the real reasons some of them voted for the bill. May God have mercy on them. And may the Lord bless the nine faithful ones who voted no. Hmm. And, you know, in our world today, I think we do need to remember and particularly point out people who are standing up against evil, um, people who are standing up with compassion rather than just blind ideology, and people who are standing up with courage. You know, that letter in The Australian by Senator Claire Chandler, uh, article in The Australian, is just an absolutely outstanding article. And, you know, I don't know this girl. She's a senator from Tasmania. I don't know this lady at all. I've never met her, but I can read that article there, and it is just very, very well written. And you know, Great expose on what is happening, very, very enlightening. Mm. I would say, you know, as you said, I don't know any of the politicians as people at all. I think it's still worth, and this is going to sound like a very cliche Christian answer, but I really believe it, is we need to pray for these leaders, we whether do. they know God or not. That's right. We need to pray for our leaders on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Because on one hand, it's very hard to, I think, stand up and, yes, be such a minority when you've made your stand of, mm, no, actually, because there can be a lot of pressure. Um, and also for the other side, that's like, you know what, who knows what ways God may be, may be trying to speak to their hearts, that they're just kind of trying to refuse that. But can their hearts change? I don't know. We know that the world is going to be a mess before Jesus comes, but it doesn't mean that he's done trying to offer them opportunities. Um, yeah, it's just something I've been thinking about recently. Is It's like, man, God so often goes before us, but often he waits for his people to pray. Often he does. Often he does. And I think that we're probably, probably possibly, uh, as Christians, are doing a lot more hand-wringing than praying. Yeah. Ooh, true. Yeah. And maybe this is why God is allowing some of these things to happen. Hmm. Maybe he's allowing them to happen to shake us up and to wake us up and to help us to recognize that, yes, he is coming soon. And, yes, we do need to be ready. And, you know, Look at look at the last look at look at what's been happening in the world in the last eighteen months. You know, oh, you've gone yeah. from fires to floods to COVID to riots, riots uh, to more riots to um, you know systematic removal of human rights in Western countries, mm. um, attacks on religious liberty, attacks on the freedom of the individual. Mm. 
um, that are just being legislated as law, just you know, right across the board. It's it, um, yeah. It's ah, oh, it just wow, you know. But as as we said yesterday, you know. The Bible says when you see these things happen, lift up your heads because yeah. no, you know the end draws nigh. In fact, I was going to share a little bit more and I ran out of time um, from the uh, Claire Chandler, Senator Claire Chandler article in The Australian um, and the Tavistock um, Gender Clinic in the UK where there was a court case and they were taken to court and they did lose that case because they weren't able to produce any data that supported um, changing the gender of children. Mm. And, um, and you know, or, or to support, you know, these kinds of interventions on vulnerable minors. So, um, Freedom of Information data has shown that there's been an astronomical increase in children going to gender clinics. Now, when you think about that, imagine if that was any other kind of disease. Imagine the reaction that the medical profession and the world would have. Mm. Because it's almost impossible to get data on this stuff. Uh, all of that data would be available and it would be being spread around and we would say that this is a medical emergency and we would say that we are facing another pandemic because we have a massive rise in numbers of a particular disease and that's exactly what is going on. Uh, We would be throwing absolutely every effort we could at finding a solution to it yeah. I mean, look what happened when COVID came along. The world was mobilized to find a both treatments and vaccines for COVID, mm. and you're getting the same spike in numbers with children with gender dysphoria, and we're doing nothing. You know, there would be special investigations into the cause, the treatment, the reasons why, the safety, and the success of the treatments being put forward. And that would be being published and shared amongst medical professionals. And we would be working, you know, we would be straining ourselves to find good solutions for it uh, for any other kind of disease where you see a massive spike in those kind of numbers. The next problem that we're facing, and we're already starting to face it, is a wave of detransitioners. Oh, hey. So this is the second wave that this, this, you know, that we've now created. Um, and the w- second wave of detransitioners that is now starting to come through, and this has only happened in a very short space of time. So imagine where we're going to be at, you know, in five, ten, fifteen years from now. Mm. And all of these are children, universally children, whose lives have been devastated irreparably. Yeah, absolutely. They will never get their childhood back. They will never get their innocence back. They will never get their life back. They are ruined. They are wrecked for the rest of their life. Mm. I mean, that's heavy stuff. That's not the kind of thing that you're going to go into lightly and say, oh, yeah, just take this drug and you should be fine. And I actually think this is a personal opinion, but I actually think um, when she comes back, we like – People will be held to account for that. Oh yes. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what that's what this person on the text message just said, didn't they? Yeah. Wow. You know, like don't I don't think it's right to ever, you know, kind of mistreat adults. But you start messing with kids. The Bible says if you mess with kids, you're better off to have a millstone. Yeah. Now a millstone is um, you know, uh what they used to use to grind grain with and this was a stone that was about, you know, uh one and a half meters across and it was round and it was about, you know, half a meter Heavy. thick. Yeah. 
The Bible says you start messing around with kids like this, you better have to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the Mariana Trench. Which is a huge statement, right? That's what the Bible says. Yes, absolutely. You don't go messing with kids. Jesus says that. You do not mess with kids. Yeah, yeah. Jesus himself, mm. you know, we everybody loves Jesus. You know, mm. not everybody loves the Bible, not everybody loves God, but you know, pretty much everyone's like, yeah, Jesus was a really nice man. Mm. And he what? Yeah, this is what Jesus said in defense of people who go around messing with children. That's right. And this is what we have: we have pediatricians who are messing with children because they have been shouted into uh, silence on this issue because they are afraid of being labelled as transphobic or um, homophobic or any other kind of phobic. And they uh, have their careers in front of them, and so they feel like they have no choice. Mm. They recognize the problem. They know it's there. We need to get into our Bible study, which is all about Babylon. Surely we are living in Babylon right now. Confusion. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to read a few verses here from Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. So yesterday we looked at the king of Babylon in the book of Isaiah. We looked at the king of Tyre in the book of Ezekiel. And in both of these, you've got prophecies that that are very specific about both the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre. And very literal. You know, we know that the king of Babylon met a rather, you know, Violent end, as did the king of Tyre. Uh, both of these kings, you know, died suddenly and received some pretty severe judgments that you know came upon them as a result of the evil things that they had done. Mm. But when you read through both Ezekiel twenty-eight and when you read through Isaiah chapter fourteen, which is the passage that we're studying, what you find is that the language suddenly changes halfway through and starts to ascribe characteristics to the king of Babylon and to the king of Tyre uh, that simply uh, you cannot ascribe to them. For instance, the Bible says that the king of Babylon was in heaven. The Bible says that the king of Tyre was in the Garden of Eden. And we know that neither of those people were ever in those locations. The Bible then goes on to describe the king of Tyre as an angel who sinned. And we know that the king of Tyre was never actually an angel. Mm. And so... Uh, the context very clearly identifies that here God has transitioned from talking about, okay, that guy over there to talking about Lucifer. To talking about Satan himself. Actually names him as Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14. And so when the Bible does that, the Bible is um, identifying for us, you know, okay, this is, we're actually talking about Satan now. We talked about this yesterday, how that what God is doing is, is he's giving us a picture because a picture speaks a thousand words. He's like, okay, Satan is actually not walking around where you can go and sit down and have a conversation with him and find out what he's really like. So if you want to know what he's really like, here is an individual who has a lot of power, like Satan, and who is under the full control of Satan and so exhibits the characteristics of Satan. Mm. So if you want to know what Satan is like, look at the king of Babylon or look at the king of Tyre. And this is not uncommon in the Bible. Let's read Revelation chapter 12. Uh, The first three verses, please, Minnie. All right. I'll just say a quick prayer before I read. Uh, Papa, Lord God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to read your word today. Um, In the Bible, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. So just as we get into this, God, um, just teach us and grow our faith. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with, clothed with the sun, with a moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. Okay, who is this great red, red dragon with uh, seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads? Well, we go on to find out it is Satan. So we okay. know the dragon is Satan. All right. Uh, where do we find that? There's a few verses down there somewhere. Let's just look that up it's, real quick. So let's confirm that this great red dragon is Satan. Uh, I'm flicking over to Revelation now. Let me get there. Is it in verse 9? Uh, or 12? Is, yes, verse 9. Verse 9. The great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. Okay, so the Bible very, very clearly states that the great red dragon is a symbol of Satan. Yeah. Okay, now let's go back in uh, this passage to Revelation chapter 12. You got up to verse, uh, what was it, 3 there? Uh, Read for us verse 4 and 5. Okay, his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule over all the nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God and to his throne. Okay, to understand this passage, let's work backwards from the child that is born. Who is the child that is born? Okay, for context, we believe this is Jesus. Absolutely. And we're talking about the woman being the church. That's right. Yeah. Okay, uh, some people would say that the woman is Mary. We're not going to get into that debate this morning. Um, the woman is the church. Yes. Uh, which, but... Um, we need to look at uh, the child. Yes. The child that is born is Jesus Christ. And what? how does the dragon relate to Jesus Christ at the time of his birth? Um, he's in front of this woman, so a.k.a. the church, ready to devour her baby. He wants to kill Jesus. Jesus. When? What does it say? As soon as it's born. As, as soon, soon as, as he's, he's born. born. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the moment that he's born, Satan is there waiting to destroy Jesus. Mm. Okay, so let's go back to the story of the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Um, As Jesus was being born. Well, you have King Herod who sends out this proclamation to kill all babies under two years, all males. But that's not Satan. That's King Herod. The Bible says Satan would do it. Satan would be standing there waiting in the stable. Yeah, but is it not directing King Herod? We see that. Kings have absolute I'm just going by what the Bible says. The Bible says that Satan would be standing there in the stable where Jesus was being born, right? Mm -hmm. Waiting to kill Jesus the moment that he comes out. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? Well, if you want to understand the passage, all you've got to do is look at history. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, was there an attempt to destroy Jesus at the time of his birth? And many of you are absolutely correct. Mm. It was Herod who did that. Mm. Um, he gave a decree to destroy every child in Bethlehem under the age of two. If you look at the character of Herod the Great, this was very in line with his character. This was the mm-hmm. kind of person that he was. He did not uh, bat an eyelid at committing any level of atrocity and uh, you know, didn't really have any qualms about recording it either. Yeah. This was just sort of how these guys lived. There was kind of nothing out of the ordinary. There's a bit of a threat there, so let's make Get sure rid it, of it no longer exists. Yeah. Um, so what you've got here is once again a repeat of the same kind of concept yes. that you have in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Mm-hmm. 
In Isaiah 14, God says, if you want to know what Satan is like, look at the king of Babylon. Mm. In Ezekiel 28, God says, if you want to know what Satan is like, look at the king of Tyre. King of Tyre. In Revelation 12, God says, if you want to know what Satan is like, look at Herod the Great. Mm, yeah. Or even on a broader scale, look at the Roman Empire. Hmm. Yeah. You know, because it, Herod the Great was a ruler of the Roman Empire. And in Bible prophecy, a beast, a creature, is a symbol of a nation or an empire, yeah. not an individual. And so if we study the history of these individuals, we can learn a lot about the character of Satan. Mm. And that's what God is trying to communicate here. So when we go to Isaiah 14 and we see that language change halfway through and the Bible go from talking about the literal king of Babylon to talking about Satan himself and then back to the literal king of Babylon – that's not unusual in the Bible. Mm. Same thing in Ezekiel. Same thing in Revelation. Revelation 12, it goes from talking about literal Satan to Roman Empire and back to literal like to, Satan yeah. again. It's exactly the same thing, but just the opposite way around. Yeah. And I think this is where it's really important. If you guys are reading through your Bible, maybe you've just started, maybe you've been reading for a while, wherever you are in that journey. If you're reading passages that you don't understand, and I know that this can be very frustrating at times, but keep reading because the more you get used to the way you see the Bible written, you start to find these connections, right? Whereas if you just read a passage, you're like, I don't understand, and then you give up. You don't see that this is something the Bible often draws out, and then it's really hard to put the pieces together because you've never even exposed yourself to what those you know, puzzle pieces look like. But then you start to read and you're like, oh, hold on, that reminds me of this passage. Oh, hold on, that – oh, you know, you start to see more of a picture – that stand alone, it doesn't make sense. Like I think that's where being students of the Bible is really important. Absolutely. Not about head knowledge, but about getting a right, a clear picture. Want to see another cool connection? Yeah, go on then. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. Okay, so while we're turning there, just, let's, just let me ask you a, question, a couple of questions here, Minnie. Go on then. Uh, who is Satan like in Revelation, in... Uh, in uh, um, Isaiah? I'll get there. Isaiah 14. Okay, so king of Babylon. Yes, the king of Babylon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what empire is symbolized by the great red dragon in Revelation 12? You're talking about the Roman Empire. Roman Empire. Mm. Right? Both of them are like Satan. Yes. Right? Mm. Okay, so there's going to be a connection between Babylon and Rome, right? Mm -hmm. Because Babylon is like Satan. Rome is like Satan. I want you to hold that thought mm -hmm. because we've got to have a song. And this is the cliffhanger, but we'll be back after we You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, let's get back to our Bible study. We were, going to, we were saying that uh, the Bible says that, okay, Babylon, mm -hmm. there's an example of Satan. Rome, there's another example of Satan. Bible says that about both of them. Uh, do they connect together? First Peter chapter five and verse thirteen says, "Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with Christian love." Where was Peter when he wrote this? Well, he's in Babylon because mm -hmm. he says here in Babylon. He does. 
Here's the interesting thing about that particular passage. Because there are a lot of questions about this passage. Uh, and that the big question is, did, did Peter ever go to the east? Actually, yeah, he's not. Where is this he? This is the first big question that comes to mind, right? Yeah. The second big question is, if he was literally in Babylon, Babylon in the first century was almost non-existent. Yes. There was a small village there. And it would pass away and disappear within 100 years and Babylon would vanish mm. under the sands of time. Is he talking about Rome? This is what I think you'll find 99% of scholars are going to say he's talking about Rome. Yeah, He just wow. straight out calls it Babylon. <laughs> wow. Modern day Babylon. Yeah, okay. And that becomes significant because uh, when you go to Revelation chapter 17, you have a prophecy that is very specifically about Rome, mm. uh, not about Imperial Rome, but about the, the Holy Rome, mm -hmm. uh, the Vatican as it is today. And the Bible goes on to call it Babylon. Babylon, yeah. <laughs> so there's a connection there's between a these two. Connection. There's a pretty solid connection mm. here that reveals to us that, yeah, when we look at this, uh, we're not actually getting this one wrong. Let's go mm. to Revelation 16 and verse 19. Revelation 16 and verse 19. And let's talk about Babylon in our day and age because, you know, these prophecies about the fall of Babylon. And there's a lot that Revelation has to say about the fall of Babylon. Okay, Revelation 16, 19 reads, The great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities, the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. This is a pretty intense picture. This is now end-time Babylon. So we've yeah, moved from right. ancient Babylon to mm -hmm. Roman Babylon. Mm -hmm. Our Babylon. Yeah. Okay, so the word Babylon, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. You know what it means? No. It's a really, really easy way of remembering what the word Babylon means. Okay. Babbling uh -huh. on. Oh, yeah. It means confusion. Oh, true. I did know this. I actually did know this. <laughs> the word Babylon means confusion. Hmm. And is there confusion in our world today? Oh, yeah. Look at what we've just been talking about, mm. right? Yeah. Stuff that is just, to the average person who has a brain, is truly bizarre. Mm. You know, just, I was listening to an interview yesterday in the United States where one of the senators over there was questioning, um, I think, I forget who it was now, Minister for Sport or something or other, um, but somebody was in charge of that, and, and asking the question, you know, you've allowed... Um, biological males to compete against females, which means that um, you're going to have... Because in America, they have this huge system where you get college scholarships if you are a good athlete. Oh, yeah. That's going to totally change all that. And all those girls have now been stripped of that. Now there's no more scholarships for girls because uh, biological males are going to take all of those spots. And, 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 he's saying, and he's saying, do you, as... I forget what his position was, um, do you see this as being fair? Do you see this as promoting equality? Mm. And the guy's just sort of, he's beating around 
all over the bush trying to squirm his way out of this one, but effectively he says yes. And and the and the senators is like, can you hear, you know, in yourself just how truly bizarre that is? You know, that we would rob half of our population of what they deserve just based on ideology, which has nothing to do with science. You know, this is the confusion that we live. We live in a world that is so confused right now. Mm. They have no idea. They have no anchor. They have no foundation. They are completely adrift. And it's no wonder that we have this pandemic of um, of depression in our world because confusion causes depression. Mm. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know why you're here, if you don't know what your purpose is, if you're living a purposeless existence, it's kind of no wonder we have a pandemic of depression. And this is where Jesus is the answer mm. because Jesus comes along and he has, he has the answers to all of this. The Bible has the answers and it makes it clear it spells it out. It's not unambiguous. It's not hard to understand. It's not unscientific. It's not, you know, confusing in any way, shape, or form. It, it actually, when you read it, it has that ring of, well, the obvious truth. And I think people actually like it when somebody speaks what is obvious and what is true. Mm. Uh, and it brings joy. It brings peace. It brings harmony. It brings happiness. And, you know, we see even in kind of secular stories of people who have endured great hardship, like whatever that looks like, how many times they said we couldn't have made it through if we didn't think that there was a meaning, if there was a purpose, if there were, if, if we could make yes. sense of this in some way. Yes. You know, and sometimes you they kind of had to find their own ways, but we really see again and again and again, if there's no meaning, life kind of doesn't matter, you know. And as you said, we already see this hectic statistics all over the world of you know whether it is depression or people who have so much confusion in their own lives and i'm like we're just adding to it we live in babylon we, just, we live in modern day babylon mm. we live in confusion yeah. our, our world has gone insane uh revelation chapter 18 verse 1 it says after all this i saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority and the earth grew bright with his splendor and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying babylon the great is fallen is fallen has become the habitation of devils and every unclean bird and something like that. Mm. Um, I'm just quoting from memory, which is probably getting it a little bit wrong, but not much. Uh, okay, so here you have, and this is I find this fascinating because this is what the Bible says at the end of time. You have this angel come down from heaven mm. having great power and the whole world is lightened with his glory. Mm. Never been possible before our generation. Yes. Think about that. Ooh. That has never been possible in the history of the world since our time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, it is now time for... It is now time for... Question of the Day. Okay, the question today is it's kind of a part two following on from yesterday. We're looking at Revelation 14. And it's basically we want to understand when it says in verse 11, uh, chapter 14, verse 11, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. They have no relief day or night for their worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. What does this mean and how do we share this with others? Okay, so 
Very, very strong language here, as we mentioned yesterday, about uh, the, what the Bible says about those who uh, become a part of Babylon at the end of time. Mm. Those who receive the mark, those who enforce the mark of the beast, those who are part of Babylon. Uh, the Bible says that the, uh, that the smoke of their torment arises forever and ever. So there are two issues that need to be looked at here immediately. Mm. Uh, first of all, we need to look at the smoke of their torment. What does that mean and why is it there? What is its purpose? And then what the Bible says about they have no rest day or night. Uh, the Bible describes the wicked being destroyed in fire. If we go over to Revelation chapter 19, you can read it right there. Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says in verse 9, they went up on the surface of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Um, it says the devil that deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire where the uh, beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It goes up, uh, continues on. It says, death and the grave, in verse 14, were thrown into the lake of fire. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Mm. Okay, so that's what we've got here is this is the final fire. This is hellfire that takes place at the end of time, and hellfire is a real thing, and where all evil is thrown in. Everything that is contaminating and everyone who is contaminating and everyone who is in rebellion against God is thrown into the fire. Now, the question that comes up out of this is the contrast that you find in between verse 9 and 10, because in verse 9, the Bible says the fire devours them. In verse 10, the Bible says they burn forever and ever. Now, what we need to understand, first of all, about forever and ever is that forever and ever is used in the Bible in the same way that we use it. We use it conversationally. Uh, for instance, this morning we had technical trouble and it took us forever to fix them. <laughs> you know, we yeah. were 15 minutes into the show before we got started. Mm. Okay? We don't actually mean forever, forever. No, until it was done. Yeah. And there are 56 places in the Bible where forever has an end. Mm. Uh, Samuel went to the temple forever, but he actually retired in a different place. Uh, the Bible says that... Um, that Jonah went into the stomach of the whale or the fish forever. And I'm pretty sure it felt like forever because it was three days. He was there for three days. And so what you find is that uh, forever in the Bible regularly has an end. There are regular circumstances in which it has an end, and the word forever means until it is finished. And so you can have the fire burning forever until it is finished. And you can also have the Bible devouring mm. the wicked. And so what the Bible says, they have no rest day or night until they are devoured. It's simple as that. A short space of time. Um, but that is what takes place at the end of time. Then you've got the torment of their smoke, you know, rising forever and ever. And, you know, I, I don't have the smoke to me is a t different issue. I don't have a problem with whether that's just until it's done or whether it's always there because the memory of evil will always remain. The record of evil will always remain. So that if you ever get a situation where people in the future are like, yeah, you know what, maybe we'll try rebelling against God. God can say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. sit down, let me show you the history. Yeah, let me show you 6,000 years of history and see whether you still want to do that or not. That way God is able to maintain the power of choice, mm. which maintains love. 
but is, and in not force anyone to be righteous. But sin never, ever comes back. This is Pillars of Our Faith Choir, Beautiful Zion. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.